Well, how are we doing, Metro? You guys ready to go? Man, am I glad to see you. And if you are joining us via online or at our video campus, we are especially glad that you are here. It is amazing what is going on. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach at our Riverview Campus Live. And uh, afterwards, I met with this lady. I just kind of ran into this lady. I didn't really know her. And she kind of comes up to me and goes, oh, you're a real person. You're real. You're real. And she just kept, you know, just kept going on and on. Like, I can't believe it. I can't. You come to preach at our campus. And she goes, I just love this. I just love. She was going on and on. And, and, and so I was toying with the lady a little bit. I said, lady, I am real. And I'm always watching. Always watching. Right? I was just having some fun with her. But, but the takeaway from that conversation for me, a couple light bulbs went on. Number one is that this whole video crazy idea, it's working because this lady says, you come to our campus, our campus. And here's a lady who's brand new to church life. And she's saying, this is my home. This is my church. I found something here and I love it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And the second thing though is uh, equally as startling. I figured out that this lady don't go to church very often, right? And let me just tell you something, friends. It is important that we build the right habits into our life. You know, if we want to grow our soul, we have to do things that move us forward. And, and one of the things that we do to grow our soul is we gather like this. We come together for church week in and week out, right? So I kind of gave this lady a little hard time about that. But if, if you're kind of newer around here, what, one of the things that you need to know is how we kind of do our video, videoing and, and our campus model. Uh, we kind of float our teachers back and forth between campuses. And so you never really know uh, where you're going to get it live except for on Saturday nights here at the Taylor campus. Live, at, live on Saturday, Saturday Night Live. And, and so uh, if you want it live, you got to come here. But on Sundays, you really never know. And we do this kind of on purpose because we do not want people to follow a teacher around. We want people who will decide to make one of our campuses their church home. And we are hoping that people will invest their lives and their families into those campuses and help us build something great in order to reach a whole bunch of people. So you all with me on this? Is that cool? So uh, great stuff. So here... Uh, here's what we want to do. We want to start off today with just praying together, and then we're going to get into our series called Love and War. And I know we haven't done this in a little while, uh, but we're going to be talking about some stuff that's pretty intense today. And I think it might be appropriate if we just humble ourselves before God. And so I'm going to ask that if you physically can, uh, that together we'll just get on our knees before God. I know this is a little odd to some of you all, but we're going to get on our knees. So come on, both campuses, get on your knees before God, and we're going to ask God to speak to us. So let's humble our hearts together, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, not even sure you believe, but what we're doing right now together is we're humbling ourselves before God, asking him to speak to us. Let me lead us. Father, we come um, just for a moment, quietly, humble before you, submitting to you, God, um, as we talk about relationships, as we talk about uh, what is so important, near and dear to our hearts, God, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. God, I pray that your spirit would move among us and that you would take us toward our next step, toward you, God. So, Holy Father, speak, for your child is listening. And all God's people would say, amen. 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 So we are beginning our series called Love and War. And the reason we're calling it Love and War is because sometimes it's love and sometimes it's 
war, right? And this applies to so many areas of our life, not just in marriage, but with our friendships and with our employers, with our employees, with our neighbors. Sometimes it's love and sometimes it's war. But when it comes to this idea of marriage in particular, sometimes it's love and sometimes it's war. Sometimes it is so beautiful and so good and so right. And then other times it can just be a mess. Am I right? Sometimes it feels like the battle is never going to end. And and so before we get started, I I just want to take a moment because I don't want to forget our single friends in this room. Uh, I I know that when we approach a series that gets around this topic of marriage, uh, that that there can be some weird feelings stirred up in people. And so uh, there are, are singles in this room who maybe you're at this stage in life, maybe where you're you're longing to find that somebody to build a life with. You're, you're looking for somebody. There's a, a hole in your heart and you just know it. And you're looking and you're hoping that you'll meet somebody to fill that hole. Or there might be some in this room where you're looking at this thing called marriage and you're looking back and all it is for you is a pathway of destruction. There's so much hurt. There's so much pain. Uh, and, and what started as love for you, it ended up in a war and the whole thing came to an end. And for you, this idea of marriage is just brokenness. And there's a whole bunch of pain there. And then there's others in this room where you might be content with your singleness. You, you might feel it's okay at, at this stage of your life and you're gonna be thinking about this series and you're gonna think that maybe it's irrelevant to you and it just doesn't matter that much to you. So I don't know where you're at, but I think that this is relevant to everybody, to, to all of us, whether you're single and looking or whether you're divorced and you have all this pain in your past or maybe some big broken relationships, we're gonna get around some principles that I think are, that I think are universal, that will help us in our relationships, because relationships matter most. Relationships are so important. And so I don't want you to think of this as as too simple or trite if you're kind of struggling with some of this stuff right now. I just want you to know that God is with you and God has not forgotten you. And if you continue to look toward him to lead your relationships, God will meet you and God will do more in your life than you could ever imagine, right? And so as Pastor Chris began to talk about last week and this idea of love and war, he began to talk about this idea of how important these relationships are, that God created us for relationship. And I think almost every single person in this room understands this, that there is something in us that needs friendship, that needs community. And and for many of us, the ultimate expression of that leads to this thing called to this thing called marriage. It is a gift from God. It's meant to be a gift from God. And we, and we were throwing around this phrase, and we've thrown it around for years and years, that the goal of marriage is oneness. Isn't that a great saying? That the goal of marriage is that the two become one. And sometimes there's a whole bunch of roadblocks in there, but that is God's heart for us, is that we become one. And, and what we mean by one is, it doesn't mean that, we're, that God's goal for us is that we're perfectly happy or perfectly content or that we end up in this perfect little relationship where nothing ever goes wrong, we never argue, we never fight, she meets all my needs, he meets all my needs. And, and we don't, it's not that God is promising that kind of a thing, but the goal that God wants for us and the thing that God wants us to move toward is the kind of oneness where the two grow closer and closer over time and it becomes an inseparable force where, where the two become one, where there's oneness of, of heart, that there's oneness of spirit, where there's oneness of direction, oneness of hope and oneness of character, oneness of dreams. This is the kind of oneness that God wants so that 
when those moments of disappointment come, when those moments of trial come, when those storms of life come bashing in on you, this thing called your marriage and your relationships and your friendships will stand the test of time. The goal of this whole deal is oneness, especially when we talk about this idea of marriage. But the truth is, is that it's hard to stay one. Anybody married in the house? It's hard to stay one. I remember a lot of years ago when my baby girl was just a baby. She must have been like five or six years old. And we were out on some sort of daddy date and, and we were alone in the car and, and we were sporting the classic brown minivan. It was so sweet. And uh, she was you know, parked in behind me and we're just cruising and we're chatting along. And I remember I was adjusting the mirror so that I could talk to her when I was driving. That's probably not very safe, but that's how you do it. And so we're chatting along. And, and at some point, I don't remember where we were going or even what we were talking about, but, but little Miss Maddie, she gets really quiet for like an extended period of time. Like she was reflecting and really starting to think. And it was quiet for a long, long time. Then all of a sudden she spoke with this, this voice. I can still remember it because um, it had, had a mixture of intrepidation, fear, and hope together. It was so gentle and so soft. And she said this. She said, Daddy, you're not going to leave Mama, are you? You're not gonna leave mama. I, I, I kid you, I about drove off the road. I'm like, whoa, 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 honey, honey. What, what would make you say that? Why would you, why, why would you say that? And then she went through this little laundry list that no little girl should ever have to go through. She, she said this, this is what she said. She said, well, so-and-so's mommy and daddy are getting a divorce. And then she said, so-and-so's dad lives far away. And so-and-so's daddy never even sees her anymore. And so-and-so's daddy isn't around anymore. And she goes through this whole list and immediately I knew what was coming to her mind. Her, her very best little friend in the whole world, her parents, who we love dearly, they were in the middle of a, just a terrible, terrible divisive divorce. Just a terrible situation. And, and I realized in that moment just how greatly somebody else's divorce affected my little girl. It was terrible. And what Madeline was asking that day was this. Is it possible, Daddy, for two people to fall in love and be in love and to, kind of have, and to have the kind of relationship that stays together forever? She was asking, does, is it possible that this until death do us part thing is real in anybody's life? She's asking a big question. And I think when, when you start to think about this, I think a whole bunch of us, even in this room, you start to think, I do think it's possible until death do us part. I do think it's possible that two people can fall in love and be in love and have this stay together forever sort of relationship. They think it's possible, but I think a whole bunch of people look around our world and they say, but it's not very probable. We'll be lucky if we make it to the end. And I think there's a whole bunch of people, even in this room, even in this church, that want that kind of relationship, but it's in their mind rattling around that I'm not sure that it's possible for me. I'm not sure it's likely for me. And see, I think the starting point for so many of us is that we think it's possible to have this fall in love, be in love, and have this stay together forever sort of a relationship if we meet the right person. 
I think a whole bunch of people think that it's mainly about meeting the right person. They think that if I just find the right person, I will truly be happy. But I think this, friends, I think the falling in love part is way easier than the staying in love part. Anybody? Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? I think the falling in love part is way easier than the staying in love part because I think all you have to do is have a pulse to fall in love. I mean, she walks by and you're going, woo, I am in love, right? I mean, it doesn't take much to fall in love. It's the staying together part that's difficult. So can I just have a moment of honesty in this room on our video campus as well? How many would say, if you were just to be totally honest, you would say that your life has been greatly affected by somebody else's inability to stay in love. Maybe you had, went through a divorce, maybe your parents went through a divorce, or maybe you've been through a divorce, anybody? Or maybe, or maybe your, your parents got together but they never got married and they never stayed together and your daddy didn't stick around. How many in this room would say, yeah, that's me? Look at this, hands up, I'm guessing in our video campus the same way, hands up. Everywhere, there's hardly a one of us who has not been affected by this. Or a widow, that's right, that's right. How many people had something like, you fall apart like that? And life becomes empty, and life begins to unravel very, very quickly. Let me tell you something, friends. I was in this little circle of Metro people, and we were all kind of hanging out. We were talking about this, this idea of doing life together and staying together and being in love forever, sort of a relationship. And when we started talking about this, it took me only a few seconds to realize that this was a pretty intense, pretty emotionally driven topic. Because right around this room, almost every single person in this room started to say things like, yeah, my daddy left. Or my mom and dad, they went through a divorce and tears started flowing. It's like our little group needed a group hug when we were done. I mean, it was like, it was so much fresh hurt there. And what was so shocking to me, friends, is that this was a group of 30 and 40 and 50 year olds looking back and still uh, going through the hurt that was done to them when they were just children. This idea of staying together and people falling in love and out of love, it affects a whole bunch of people. Am I right? And I think there are some reasons for this. I, I think there's some reasons. I think, there, I think it's way easier to fall in love than to stay in love. And I think one of the big reasons is this, is because uh, very few people have seen it done right. Very few of us have seen it really done right. I, I think a whole bunch of us uh, have seen people stay together, but not really be in love. I, I think a whole bunch of us have seen marriages even survived, but they've really never thrived. And you would look at maybe even your own parents and you would go, I'm not so sure I want to end up like that. Yeah, they stayed together, but I'm not so sure I want to end up like that. It's a, it's a real deal. And, and friends, listen, very few of us have grown up in this leave it to beaver type of world where mom and dad are in love and they treat each other well and, and the kids love the mom and dad and the mom and dad love the kids and there's some sort of sense of order in the house and peace in the house. And th- you know, very few of us have grown up in this, in the, in this world. And, and, and the truth is that's taught us something. It, we, we take into our lives and our marriages what was handed to us by our parents. And I'm not so sure what was handed to us by many of our parents is very good. I want you to think about this. This is a statistic that's shocking, really, but I think you already know it. Uh, Roughly in the last 10 years in America, roughly in the last 10 years, 40% of all babies in America are born to a single mom, 
And then if you just fast forward 10 years into their life, it's well over 50% will never live with the influence of the daily influence of their father. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now listen, I'm not making a judgment on single moms or beating a single mom down at all. I'm just saying the obvious, that these kids are gonna grow up with a deficit about what does it mean to have a life that is put together, falling in love, being in love, staying in love together forever. It's never been modeled for them. And so they're gonna drag this right into their own lives as well, just like you and I, we drag in a whole bunch of mess from our parents and family, don't we? We drag it all in. And so there's not been this model of what it means to stay together forever. And I think that's one of the reasons, but I think there's another reason. Uh, I think that we have a culture now that has this traded in mentality. You know what I'm talking about, traded in? Like if the dishwasher leaks, we don't call a dishwasher repairman, what do we do? We go buy a new one. Your your button on your jeans pops because you've had a couple too many trips to the ice cream bar? You don't go get a sewing kit and move the button over, what do you do? You go get new jeans, right? Listen, our oil is low in our car. The oil is low in the car. We go, we gotta trade that sucker in, right? We just go get a new one. And that is true not only of our stuff, but friends, listen to me. We have a trade it in mentality when it comes to our relationships. We do it with our friends. He didn't treat me right this time. I'm out of here, I'm done with this friendship. We do it with our employers, our employees. We do it with our church. Well, I don't know, I don't like everything that's going on in that church. And instead of being part of the solution, we're part of the problem. We just leave and we go find another church. Heck, some of us trade in our kids or wish we could, right? (laughs) We, we do, we have this traded in mentality and friends, it seeps into our relational mentality. Now, I'm gonna tell you something, I think this is so, so true. We have a very low tolerance for pain relationally. We have a very low tolerance for pain relationally. When things get tough, when things get down, when it becomes disappointing, when it becomes hard work, we just buy into the rest of our culture. What we do with all of our stuff, we just say, I'm just going to trade it in. Gone are the days where somebody says, I do, and they mean I'm doing it forever. Like, gone are the days where somebody says, I'm doing it because I said I do, and that's just what I do, is I do what I said I do. Right? Those days are gone. Now it's like it gets a little bit hard, it gets a little bit hurtful, it gets a little bit tough. We just think that we're gonna, we we chose poorly the first time around, so we gotta find somebody else to choose. And and so what we do is this, and I think this is true, society has taught us the art of re-choosing. The uh, the society has given us this smorgasbord to choose from, and so what we do relationally is we go from one relationship to another relationship. Tell me if this isn't true. You go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another relationship, hoping that one day if you finally meet the right person, you will be happy. Because the right person's gonna make you happy. But friends, let me tell you something. What if I told you this? What if I told you that relational happiness depends not so much on finding the right person as it does being the right person? Woo, that was so good, Jay. Why don't you say that again? I will. And matter of fact, you might want to write it down. You might want to take a little photo. Get your phone out and take a photo. I'm going to leave that up there for you to take a photo right now. Take a photo of that. Relational happiness for you and for me, it's not about looking and looking until I find the right person and skipping and skipping and moving on and moving on. Relational happiness depends not so much on finding the right person as being the right person. 
I think there's a lot of truth in that. And friends, I want to tell you something. If you ask anybody who's been 25 or married 25 or 30 years, they'll tell you this. Every single one of them, they'll tell you this. They'll say, there were moments. Oh yeah, there were moments where I wasn't really sure that I married the right one. But I decided somewhere along the way that they were going to be the right one. But more than that, (laughs) I decided I needed to become the right one that I needed to be the one who worked on this marriage. I'm telling you, every single time, they will tell you this. But friends, um, we have this idea that somebody else is going to make us happy relationally. And so we're willing to trade it in and to skip along and to find somebody new. Uh, But friends, I'm gonna tell you something. It depends more upon you becoming all that God wants you to become. Now, stop right there. um, Go back to this idea that I think I do think a whole bunch of us say, you know what, I'm hopeful that I can find that one. I'm hopeful that this will be the one. I'm hopeful that this will be in love together forever sort of love. I'm hopeful. Um, But even in your mind right now, there are a bunch of us even in this room right now who are going, I'm not really sure that it's going to be that way for me though. I'm not sure that my relationship, my marriage can really make it to the end. And you know what? You're probably right. Because if we live out what the world teaches us, it won't end well. It just won't. All right, good night. Have a good night. Right? Aren't you glad we don't stop there? Right? Let let me tell you something. Jesus comes along and he gives us a whole different principle to live by. Jesus comes along and he says, it is possible that you can find love, be in love, and stay together Forever, Jesus actually uses the phrase, the two shall become one. Jesus says that the goal of marriage is to be one, is to come together in this unbreakable bond, this one unbreakable bond that gets stronger and stronger and stronger over time, that it not is perfect, but that you're gonna learn to weather these storms together. It is possible to be in love like that. And so he begins to give us this foundation, this principle that we need to put into our life. And this isn't just for people who are married. This is a relational foundation. This is a relational principle that will carry us into all of our relationships, that'll lift all of our relationships to new, to new levels. He says the goal of marriage is oneness and there's a principle behind this. And so you ready for this principle? Are you ready? Okay. He, he says it like this. He says, if you want the kind of I can't wait to get home and kiss her goodnight type of relationship. If you want this, I can't wait to get old together. I can't wait to build our dreams together type of relationship. He says, it's, there's a formula that is so simple that it almost seems counterintuitive. There's a formula that's so simple that when I share it with you, it's almost gonna be embarrassing to share it with you. I mean, literally, you, you actually run the risk of it going right over your head because you're gonna be looking for something so deep and so profound and so crazy, like, like a brand new thought that's never hit you before. You're, it could, you could go right by you. There's a whole bunch in this room right now. You're going, I'm so glad you're talking about this right now because I got him here and he needs to be here for this and, I, and you gotta work on him right Right now, so whatever you're going to tell us right now, it better be good because you got to fix him or you got to fix her, right? And you're hoping for something big, but Jesus says something so simple 
It almost, it's startling, but I'm telling you, you ask anybody who's been married 20 or 30 years and it's not just surviving, but it's thriving, they will tell you that this is true. So Jesus comes along in the book of John chapter 13. So if you got a Bible, I want you to find this. If you got a smartphone, get your smart, I know you have a smartphone, get it out and I want you to Google John 13. Do it, come on, do it. Or maybe some of y'all got crazy and you got this book, has pages in it. It's kind of weird, you know, and has all these small letters in it. Uh, if you got that, find John, the book of John, chapter 13, and we're going to read one simple verse. John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. This is the very first part of this verse. It says this. You ready for this? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? You ready on video? You ready? Okay, here we go. A new command I give you. Now pause real quick. A new command. So you're thinking, whoa, he's gonna be telling us something we've never heard before. This idea of new, right? This idea of like, wow, this is, uh, this is uh, brand spanking new. He, he says, now hold on right there. He says, he says, a new command I give you. He says, I know you got the 10 commandments. I, I know you got your mama's commandments. I, I know that you, you have everything you learned from Oprah and Dr. Phil. I know that you have all the things that you learned from Modern Family and Grey's Anatomy about relationships. But I'm gonna tell you something new, that there's a new way. There's a better way than you see going on in the world around you. Pause. Anybody see brokenness in the world around us relationally? Anybody? Anybody? He says, I'm gonna tell you something different, something new. And, and what's interesting with this idea of new, um, he doesn't just say, he, Jesus chooses a, a very particular Greek word. Now we're gonna go deep here just for a second. You gotta understand this. He doesn't just choose the word that says, oh, this is something you've never had before. This is brand new. It does mean that, but it also carries a different tone to it. It can be old, but still new to you. It, can, it carries this idea of rediscovering. Now track with me on this, track with me. It, it carries this idea that, that it's, it's a, like a new discovery. It's like cleaning out your closets and you go, wow, I didn't know I had a hundred bucks in here, right? It's like, you knew it was there, you just forgot about it. You, you, it's like new to you, it's remarkable. You find, it's like the other day I was at this, this, this wedding and they had these chocolate chip cookies there man, that were from God. You know, and I thought, these are brand new. This is like legendary. This is like a whole different level. This is like, this is remarkable, right? And, and now listen, I've had plenty of chocolate chip cookies in my life, but this was like at a whole new discovery for me. And that's the word Jesus chooses. He says, this is remarkably new. This is so different. And you gotta be careful not to miss it. And then he says this, you ready? This is what he says. A new command I give you. Here it is. Love one another. Jay, Jay, what do we pay you for? You gotta come up with something bigger and better than that. I've heard that before. No, 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 Jesus says, listen, if you're not careful, this is going to go right over your head. Jesus says, something brand new you might wanna try. In the brokenness of all of your relationships, something brand new, crazy idea. Love one another. And Jesus says, listen, you have made love a noun, something that, you, something that you fall into. Love is something you fall into or fall out of. But I'm telling you something else. Jesus says, I want you to make love a verb, 
It's, it's a command. It's an action. It means that you gotta, you gotta, if you've been doing this, you've got to do something different. I, I need you to act differently. I need you to love differently. I need you to change something about you. I need to give you a new command, a new start. There's a do-over here. I want you to learn to love one another. Make love a verb. Make love a verb. Now, Jesus would not be a good marriage counselor because I, I get people in my little office all the time and this is what they'll say. This is so common. They go, we just don't love each other anymore. We used to be in love. We're just not in love anymore. And Jesus would go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. You, you need to go home and love her. And, and, and you would go, people would go, wait, 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 wait. That's why I'm here, because I don't love her anymore. Don't you understand that? And Jesus goes, no, 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 you don't understand. You got to go home and love her. But no, we're not in love anymore. And Jesus would say, you're married. You're supposed to love one another. I know, Jesus, but the problem is we don't feel like we love one another anymore. And Jesus says, oh, wait, wait, wait. you mentioned feeling. I, I didn't say anything about feeling. I didn't say anything about it. I'm just telling you a new way to do it. If you want to fix all of the things that are broken in you, just go home and love one another. Love is an action verb. Love is a present tense command. It is an imperative. Are you loving her? Because you're thinking, I don't feel in love anymore. But if you want to maintain a marriage, if you want to maintain a relationship, if you want to grow it, if you want to foster it, if you want to take it to the next step, you need to make love a verb. Woo. You, let's just say that out loud. Doesn't that sound good in church? You need to make love a verb. Right? No, just kidding. Right? But if you want to grow this thing, he says, you, you gotta practice something different. You gotta grow something different. You gotta, you gotta make love a verb. I, I love how pastor and author Andy Stanley says it. Uh, he, he is just so clever sometimes. He says it like this, about this idea of feeling in love. He, he writes this, he says, the feeling is not the feeling of being in love. He says, it's not the engine of the relationship. It's the caboose of the train. It starts off as the engine most of the time, but it's not the engine. It may start off the feeling. It may start off that way, but at some point, the feelings of love go to the back of the train and they become the, uh, the caboose. Acting love loving one another, love is the engine that drives the relationship. Isn't that good? And, and, in fact, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to tell anybody else. Now listen, you promise to keep a secret? Yeah. Just between us. If you figure out how to make love a verb, you'll make love a whole bunch more too. I'm just, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just, moving on. Okay, uh, listen. Love... Uh, Love is something you do, right? And if what we've been doing in our broken relationships isn't working, then we need to do something different. And people go, well, I don't really know what it means to love. Yes, you do. You know what it means to love somebody else. You, you know it intuitively. At least you know when you don't feel loved, right? You know the opposite. Anybody in the room ever feel like the person that was supposed to be loving you wasn't loving you? Anybody in the, in the room ever feel that way? You, almost everybody, right? Then go do the opposite. That's what we do. Go do the opposite of that. See, I think we know intrinsically that love is, 
Love is being patient again. Love is being kind again. Just like you did when you first met. Love is being gentle again. Love is being compassionate again. Love is returning back to where you started. Love, when when you love, you figure out how to not keep this laundry list around anymore. Anybody? When you learn to love, we figure out how to let go of some things and to move forward with some things. When we learn to love, we, we're willing to sacrifice and to give way more of ourselves. And Jesus comes along and says, if two people want to feel in love, then they need to make love a verb. If you want to make love, not war, then you got to figure out how to make love an action in your home. It's got to become purposeful in your life. It, it just has to be this way. And then Jesus takes it up even to another level. He says this. He says, same verse, one little verse. That's all we're looking at today. Just one little verse. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. <laughs> and then he says, just as I have loved you, so you too must love one another. Wow. In other words, he comes on, he says, listen, I don't want you to take your relational cues from the world around you. I want you to take your relational cues from me. If you want to figure out how to love in your home, if you want to figure out how to be the kind of parent you want to be, the kind of friend you want to be, the kind of employer, the employee, the husband, the wife, if you want to figure out how to be the child or the parent, if you want to figure out how to do it well relationally, don't take your cues from the world. Take them from me. Forget about Grey's Anatomy. Forget about Modern Family. Forget about Oprah. Even what your mama taught you. Now listen, there's a lot that can be good and all that. But he says, your cues, they need to come from me. You need to look to what I have done for you. And friends, let's just ask the obvious question. How does Jesus love? He died for us. He sacrificed for us. He was compassionate and kind beyond measure, willing to forgive, willing to give grace. He modeled love perfectly. There's this little verse in the New Testament that says, God is love. God is love. And then another verse says, Jesus is the perfect image of God. Jesus is love. He, He says, if you want to love, don't do it like the rest of the world. We look to everybody, but we listen to all these songs and watch these movies and, and it paints this picture of love. Holly weird is, is weird. It's just weird, right? They, they paint these pictures of love that you go, but that doesn't work out in real life. So listen, we, we grew up with these songs like, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, they describe love like baby. Like I'm a, I'll climb the highest mountain for you, baby. I'll, I'll cross the desert for you, baby. I'll swim the deepest ocean for you, baby. Right? I'll take a bullet for you, baby. I'll die for you, baby, right? But let me tell you something. Your spouse, your children, your friends, they don't want you to die for them. They just want you to care a little bit more about them. They don't want you to take a bullet for them. 
But let me tell you something, in my home, when I get up and leave in the morning, Lynette wants to know that when I leave, it is not to build my life, my career, my ministry, my, my, my. It is not to build that, it is to build our home. She needs to know that from me. We need to figure out how to love and sacrifice and give just a little bit more to our spouse. Because let me tell you something, when did you feel most in love? It was at the beginning of your relationships, whatever relationship you had. Like even meeting a new friend, you're like, this is the greatest person in the world, right? It's when you first meet, but it quickly comes unraveled. Friends, we've got to figure out that it is not because you met the right person, but it's because you have become the right person. That's where we find relational fulfillment is when we learn to live like Jesus wants us to live. We got to figure this out, friends. You know what it is like to love. Now go do it in your home. And friends, it will go well for you. God can take a ship that is sinking and sinking and sinking. And if just one person in that relationship puts the brakes on, and if one person in that relationship turns it around and begins to act like Jesus, I'm telling you, something's going to rise. And something's going to lift there. And it's going to become different. Because this is what God does. He takes broken things and lifts them into new things. Amen? Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end. I just want to show you uh, this little video. Because when we talk about this idea of love, and then I'm going to give it over to our campus pastor when we're done here. Uh, but but I, want, I want you to, to watch this video because sometimes I think what we think is love is really just fish love. Check this out. Love is a word that in our culture has almost lost its meaning. Uh, there's a very interesting story about the Rebbe of Kotsk who came across a young man who was clearly enjoying a dish of fish that he was eating. And he said, uh, young man, why are you eating that fish? And the young man says, because I love fish. He says, oh, you love the fish. That's why you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. He said, don't tell me you love the fish. You love yourself. And because the fish tastes good to you, therefore, you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. So much of what is love, right, is fish love, right? And so, young couple falls in love. Young man and young woman fall in love. What does that mean? That means that he saw in this woman someone who he felt could provide him with all of his physical and emotional needs. And she saw in this man somebody she feels that she can write. That was love, right? But each one is looking out for their own needs. It's not love for the other. The other person becomes a vehicle for, for my gratification. Too much of what is called love is fish love. Right? An external love is not on what I'm going to get, but what I'm going to give. We had an ethicist, Rabbi Dessler, who said the people make a serious mistake in thinking that you give to those whom you love. And the answer is, the real answer is, you love those to whom you give. Right? And his point is, if I give something to you, I've invested myself in you. Right? And since self-love is a given, everybody loves themselves, now that part of me has become in you, right, there's part of me in you that I love. Right? So true love 
is a love of giving, not a love of receiving. Fish love. You know, uh, I was at Chad and Rachel's wedding uh, last night. Chad's married now. Isn't that pretty exciting? Yeah. And uh, they get to this one little part that I'm sure almost everybody in this room has seen a hundred times. They get to this little line where the preacher says, do you promise to love and to cherish until death do us part? And I want you to think about this promise, this vow that a couple makes. That is a huge vow, isn't it? This idea of loving until death, loving until one of us stops breathing, you kind of, if we're honest, we're going, is that even possible? I think God says it is. But it takes us love and to cherish. Because we've been talking about what love is. We've been talking about it all night long. You know what love is. You, you know what love is. But do you know what cherishing is? Cherish is not loving, by the way. It's not the definition of to cherish. To cherish literally means to hold close, to pull something of value in. It is to grab onto something and hold onto it for dear life. We are to love and to cherish. They are two parts of a gear that work together. They come together like this. They love and to cherish. Without love, you can't cherish. And without cherishing, you can't love because they go together. We must hold love. And let me tell you something. You know, if you've been in this thing called marriage for any length of time, in this very room, you know that it does not take long for it to separate. It doesn't take long for it to die, for the flame to go out. You must love and Cherish. Well, I love her. I still love her. Yeah, but you treat her like junk. You're not cherishing her. You're not holding her to your heart. Love and cherish. They go together until death do us part. Be encouraged today. It is possible. It is possible. Let's pray. Father, in this room, um, I know anytime you talk about this sort of a thing, it stirs up a lot of emotions and a lot of hurt, a lot of regret. But God, you are the healer of all of that. You make something beautiful from our messes. And God, you have this unbelievable way of restoring us when we get around your leadership. So in this room, Father, no matter if people believe or not believe, God, I know relationships are important to all of us. And I just pray that your spirit would speak into our relationships right now. If there are people in this room who have troubled relationships with their children, I pray that they'd figure out how to love and to cherish their children or their parents or their friends but especially our husband or our wife. God, whatever is broken, would you begin to repair? God, whatever is sinking, would you begin to lift? Whatever seems hopeless, God, would you bring hope? God, we believe that you can do it again inside of us. Speak, oh God. Speak, oh God, for your child is listening. And together we say, amen. Amen. Now, before we get out of here, 
um, if you, first and foremost, if you want to pray with somebody, if you feel like, hey, I need, to, I need to pray about something, it could be about this or it could be about, you know, a job or health or it doesn't matter what it's about, but if you feel like you want to connect some, with somebody, to my left, to your right, I'll have some friends up here who would love to pray with you. We don't think it's weird. We think it's perfectly normal. The rest of us are going to be like cheering you on. Like we're going to look over our shoulder and people think, well, they're watching me. I'm like, yeah, we're watching you and we're going, that's what our church is about right there. Amen. Amen. That's what we're saying it's about. So if you need to connect with somebody, there's that. Number two, I, I got to tell you this. Um, this idea of staying in love, it's hard. It's, it takes work. Uh, but you are not alone. If, if you feel that you need to get in and talk to one of our pastors, we do this free. We can recommend professional counselors as well. But, but we want to be with you in this. If you, if you feel like there's something just broken and you need some outside counsel, the Bible says to get it. It says you're a fool if you don't get it. Get the help that you need. We'll connect with you and we'll connect the right people with you. Amen? All right. Hey, God be with you guys. I hope you come back next week. I hope that uh, you invite somebody to Easter like Pastor Greg was talking about earlier. Uh, let's build a great church together that reaches a whole bunch of people. Amen? Amen. God, lo God loves you guys.